On Sunday afternoon, a little under 24 hours following Penn State football's 15-24 loss to Michigan, at home, in Beaver Stadium, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Mike Yersich was relieved of his duties, effective immediately. And tight ends coach Ty Howell and associate head coach and running backs coach John Cedar will take over as co-offensive coordinators and play callers, effective immediately. And they will be collaborating with the offense to try and improve it for the rest of the 2023 season. But make no mistake about Yersich's firing. Yersich is a scapegoat for a larger James Franklin problem at hand. Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam. And before we dive deep into Penn State football and James Franklin's inability, seemingly, to beat Michigan and Ohio State, please hit that red subscribe button and click the notification bell. And also share this video around to any frustrated Penn State fans, happy and excited Michigan and Ohio State fans, and comment your thoughts on Penn State football down below. And like this video and subscribe. Those are the most important things you can do. That way this video, and consequentially my channel, gets into the algorithm. We're trying to reach 20,000 subscribers as college football and YouTube's best Big Ten football community. And it would mean a lot to me if you can follow those instructions, share this video around, and comment your thoughts down below. This is the best Big Ten football community on YouTube. That's not up for debate. And today we're going to be talking about Penn State and why James Franklin is 0-6 against Michigan and Ohio State since 2021 and why he is 4-16 against them in his coaching tenure here with the Nittany Lions. Lastly, check out my Patreon page via the link in the description and also the link in my pinned comment if you want to support the channel and gain some extra bonus content, bonus content that can help you pick games, among other things. Thank you very much. Now, let's get back to talking about Penn State and their relationship with the big two, Michigan and Ohio State. In the preseason, I often referred to the Big Two and everyone else in the Big Ten, or the Big Two and a Half. And Penn State fans, understandably so, would challenge me on this. I've heard for weeks from Penn State fans about how I don't talk about their team fairly. Now, I don't hate Penn State. Penn State's a blue blood. Penn State is an intriguing place. You're out in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. You have one of the largest stadiums in college football. I think the most intimidating home environment solely looking at the stadium in college football. You have great resources. You have the DMV area of Pennsylvania, Maryland, New Jersey, Delaware, West Virginia, Virginia, maybe North Carolina, where you can find great recruits. You have recruiting pipelines there. You are a national brand. I want Penn State to succeed because it makes the Big Ten look better. Having Nebraska, Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan right now all succeeding would be phenomenal. They're all Blue Bloods. And USC, Blue Blood who's joining the conference, it'd be awesome to see them succeed. It would be awesome 
for next year for all 18 Big Ten teams to be the top 18 Big Ten teams in college football, and for this year, for the top 14 of college football teams to be all in the Big Ten. That's unrealistic, and also you won't find an undefeated team in the Big Ten if that was the case, which makes me question my stated desire. But it is what it is, and that will never happen. I want Penn State to be successful. The problem is, my want is different from the reality. And whether it's Alex Grinch at Iowa, not Iowa, I was thinking of Brian Ferentz, whether it's Alex Grinch at USC, Alex Grinch at Iowa is codenamed for Brian Ferentz. Alex Grinch at USC, horrible defensive coordinator, fired, axed. Brian Ferentz at Iowa, or maybe I can affectionately call him the Alex Grinch of Iowa. Who cares? He's going to leave at the end of the season. Mike Yersich, he did not do a good job with Penn State's offense this season. I'm not denying that. But this isn't a Mike Yersich thing. Going 14-16 and 16 against Michigan and Ohio State, and in recent memory it has been worse than that, is something to keep track of. Again, Franklin is... 0 and 6 against the Big Two since 2021. Franklin is 1 and 13 against Michigan and Ohio State teams who finish inside the AP top 10 to conclude the season, only beating 2016 Ohio State. He has never beaten a Michigan team who's finished in the top 10, and he has never beaten a Ryan Day led Ohio State team. Ryan Day coaches circles around James Franklin every time they meet up. Even with his own mistakes this season, like going for it on fourth and goal against one of the best defenses in the country, thanks Manny Diaz, and Ryan Day fails, Penn State's offense couldn't do anything. So Ryan Day's mistake was made up for by an even bigger blunder that was Penn State's entire offense. Jim Harbaugh, he wasn't even there on the sidelines against Penn State and he coached circles around James Franklin, because Sharon Moore is a wiser, better game manager than Franklin is. Sharon Moore put down his microphone and told everyone on the team that we are running through these defensive tackles. We are going to make them wish that they had perfect gap integrity, and we are going to chew clock. They cannot score on our defense and we will come out with a win. We will treat this like a business trip. And Michigan controlled the game, with Jim Harbaugh's game plan altered by a Sharon Moore, who I think is going to be one of a kind, who I think is going to be a head coach in the future, who, if Jim Harbaugh leaves Michigan, I want him to be promoted. And I'm mostly against internal hirings because look what's happened at Clemson and other programs where they get too comfortable with internal promotions. Sharon Moore's great. Jim Harbaugh's great. Ryan Day is great. In fact, Day and Harbaugh are elite head coaches in my mind. Franklin's a good coach. Might be a great coach. He is not near elite. He is not elite. Penn State right now, technically, has a slightly more talented roster than Michigan. And you watch that game Saturday, where Michigan 
basically took their cleats and stepped all over Penn State football on the ground. It wasn't a blowout, but it was a controlled effort by the entire Michigan team. And Michigan would definitely win that game in Beaver Stadium. Even if it was a whiteout game, Michigan would win that far more than five times out of ten. That was a controlled game by Michigan. Start of the second quarter, Michigan went into boa constrictor mode. And for the second half of that game against Ohio State, Ohio State controlled that matchup and slowly but surely wore down Penn State's defense with the Marvin Harrison Jr. mesh concept finally being the straw that broke the camel's back. James Franklin against Michigan going for it on fourth down multiple times and being somewhat successful at two of three, but then going for it on fourth down with about five minutes remaining at your own 30 when maybe Michigan will muff that punt if you punt it or Michigan likely will punt the ball back to you because Michigan, their run game was boomer bust that day. Yes, they controlled the matchup. They controlled the clock. They ran successfully. But Penn State at times was able to stop the run. Meanwhile, you know that Drew Aller cannot complete a pass. He is rarely accurate. And the minute that fourth down fails, Bazinga and Blake Corum uses to his advantage a hole in Penn State's defensive line and scores the game-winning touchdown. And also going for it for two, entering halftime again. What are you doing? What are you doing? Or going away from the run game and having Drew Aller throw it more than 30 times in the hornet's nest that is the horseshoe. What are you doing? Penn State, what has kept them in second or third place and in constant contention for first place is great perimeter play. Whether it's Chris Godwin, whether it's K.J. Hamler, whether it's Parker Washington, whether it's Mitchell Tinsley, this year, Keandre Lambert-Smith, and whether it's Jahan Dotson, perhaps the greatest of them all, or Mike Gesicki at tight end, Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren, Brenton Strange, Pat Fryermuth, quarterbacks, Trace McSorley, Sean Clifford, looks better than Drew Aller right now, or the five-star that is Drew Aller right now, or at running back, Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, Journey Brown, and it makes me angry that he can't play football anymore, but it is what it is, or Nicholas Singleton or Katron Allen. Penn State has great perimeter play. They have great defensive ends. They have Yeter Gross Matos. They had Adafi Owe, I think. And they had Donnie Dennis Sutton right now, Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, Arnold Ebiketti, the great Micah Parsons, and at cornerback, safety, linebacker, I already mentioned some players, Abdul Carter right now is an All-American, whatever. But you cannot name a single offensive lineman or a single interior trench player that mattered. And that's where Michigan has killed Penn State. That's where Ohio State has assassinated Penn State. That's the difference, along with game management. The different types of development, of recruiting, and of in-game management continually 
continually hurts the Nittany Lions. And it all circles back to James Franklin. Penn State's a top 10 program. These are some statistics about Penn State football from 2014 to 2023. Their talent, their recruiting, their staff, their athletic department makes them a top 10 program. The Nittany Lions consistently have elite defenses and solid offenses under Franklin. Need I mind you, the 2017 offense was one of the best offenses in the country. And that team, had they not insert random choke job here against Ohio State and Michigan State, had they not lost those two games, they might have won the national championship that year. Take that for what it's worth. Maybe it's a hot take. But that Penn State team was the best team in the Big Ten. They just didn't have the best coach in the Big Ten. They had a coach who wasn't as good as Mark D'Antonio and wasn't nearly as good as Urban Meyer. And that's what not having an elite head coach will do to you, even if you have elite players. Nonetheless, James Franklin, I can't criticize him too much outside of these big games. He has four 11-win seasons, three New Year's Six Bowl wins, and one Big Ten title since he first came to Penn State in 2014. On average, through every game that James Franklin has played, or his teams have played, rather, that he's coached, better terminology, saved myself there, his teams have scored 34.81 points per game. They, on average, have allowed 21.17 points per game. They pass the ball for about 243 yards per game, rush the ball for 160 yards per game. They have close to four touchdowns per game. They only allow close to two touchdowns per game, and they allow less than 200 passing yards and less than 150 rushing yards. That is a, you know, factoring in all the big games, the New Year's Six Bowls, some of the legitimate battles between Penn State and Pittsburgh and Penn State and other good Big Ten teams not named Michigan and Ohio State. It's been a long time since really anyone outside of the Big Two or I'll just say big three here and include Penn State has faced anyone that's good in their conference outside of themselves, but that was the case before 2022, where somewhat 2021 with Mel Tucker catching lightning in a bottle and Iowa having somewhat of a pulse on offense, and Wisconsin and Minnesota being decent then, Minnesota was also decent last year, the Big Ten wasn't just two teams in Tier 1, one team in Tier 2, and the rest were in Tier 10. That was the Big Ten last year. That's the Big Ten this year. That hasn't always been the case. Factoring all of that in, this is a pretty impressive resume. James Franklin has won the Big Ten once. Franklin right now has 86, 86 wins at Penn State. He'll likely win against Rutgers, against Michigan State, and this Penn State team unless they have a whole lot of opt-outs, and they have a lot of young players, so even with those opt-outs, they'll still be stacked, they could move to 11-2 and again this season with another New Year's Six Bowl or maybe Citrus Bowl win. And that means next year, Penn State under Franklin could strive for their 100th win in the tenure of James Franklin. That's incredible. James Franklin, again, good head coach. Good Maybe great head coach, elite recruiter, someone who I think commands his locker room very well, someone who, unlike Bobby Petrino, unlike Urban Meyer, and now even unlike Jim Harbaugh, have to call it for what it is, 
There's not much stain attached to his name. Good head coach. Maybe great head coach. And he typically puts together a great defensive staff and an offensive staff that, at least with the case with Judge on Cedar, is great at recruiting and developing running backs and wide receiver, tight end, quarterback. For a while, Penn State had consistently the number two quarterback room in the Big Ten. But things have changed. The conference, or parts of the conference, specifically one part in Michigan, has caught up. Something happened with Michigan after 2020. And whether you say it's mostly cheating or minorly cheating, that has to be factored in. But Michigan leaped ahead of Penn State in terms of physicality. Michigan now bullies Penn State in the same way that Penn State bullied Michigan in 2017. And I'm not even telling you that Blake Corum or Donovan Edwards or Saquon Barkley. They're not. And I'm not saying that Michigan until this season had Joe Moorhead calling plays at OC. They haven't. And maybe to this day, Sharon Moore isn't the same play caller that Joe Moorhead was. But I think this year he's taken a step forward. I just look at Penn State's success here, and it's fascinating. Because typically, when you can do all the little things right, whether it's in life, whether it's in football, you can then move on to get the big things done. That isn't James Franklin at Penn State. That isn't Penn State football right now. Penn State football is a team that is great, maybe near elite. I'm curious to see how Franklin will do when the 12-team playoff rolls around because he has a pretty good record, an impressive record, in fact, of winning in the postseason. Beat Utah last year, top 10 team. Beat Memphis in 2019. Beat Washington. Chris Peterson coached Washington in 2017. Competed with a ridiculously talented USC team in 2016. And he won the pinstripe bowl as well. He has a 4-4 four four record in the postseason. And he's finished third or higher in the Big Ten. Third or higher multiple times, counting exactly six seasons he's finished third or higher in the Big Ten. It's nuts. It's absolutely crazy, third or higher. 2022, 2020, 2019, 2018, 2017, 2016. Big Ten East, to be specific, but the Big Ten East is by far the best division practically every year, or by definition, in fact, Every year since the founding of the East and West, I'm very glad that the Big Ten is becoming divisionless next season. So when I critique Penn State, I want Penn State fans to understand that I'm not saying this program is garbage because there's a world out there that says you are either elite or you are trash. We accept because it's fact that there is a middle ground. There is a spectrum between elite and trash. There aren't just UMasses of the world, and also Don Brown's horrendous defense that I as a Michigan fan never want to see again, and there aren't just 2021 Georgia, 2020 Alabama, 2019 LSU, 2001 Miami, and insert any team who's considered a GOAT team over in that section. There are the 2017 Penn States, the 2016 Michigans, there's the 2018 Michigan States, the 2020 Penn State's, 
who are frankly better than the UMasses of the world by a mile, even with a losing record and a loss to Scott Frost. For context, Brady Hoke and Scott Frost also have undefeated records against James Franklin, so take take from that what you will. I'm not exactly going to pin the Brady Hoke statistic on Franklin because he took over in a bad situation, and for that I commend him for. The Scott Frost one is just like, what are you doing? Like, is Scott Frost on the sidelines, you know, shaking up the beer bottle until there's a a funnel, until there's like a water spout or a tornado in the beer bottle, chugs it down, and then calls a wide receiver end-around screen to Xavier Betts, who takes it to the house? What was that COVID season for both Penn State, Michigan, and then the following season for Penn State going 7-6, and six, returning all of that production? It's not just in big games. It's in some little games, too. But overall, James Franklin, I have to mention this again, good head coach. But in game management, his game management is foul. Whether it's Illinois in 2021, whether it's Michigan and Ohio State for the previous three seasons, he does not help his team cross that hump. He has to take responsibility. And like an article by The Athletic said, look in the mirror. He's too controlling, too controlling on the offensive side of the ball. He just is. And I don't think his priorities are straight. Right now, Penn State, for the first time in a while, is recruiting high-profile offensive linemen. And to their credit, Penn State this year has a good O-line. And I think over the next few seasons, they will have good to great offensive lines. They're top 10 in size. And yet Michigan's O-line is better. And the Rutgers Scarlet Knights have a superior offensive line. And that may not even be due to better development or better coaching. That might be because Penn State has Olufashanu, who is an absolute freak of nature and intelligent player at offensive tackle. He will probably be the first ever Penn State offensive lineman to be drafted in the first round under Franklin and the first ever Penn State offensive lineman under Franklin to receive first-team All-Big Ten honors. Again, going back to my earlier point of you can name perimeter players, you can name running backs, you can name defensive backs, linebackers, star defensive ends, but interior tackles and offensive linemen, which ones can you name if you're not a Penn State fan? I can say that Juice Scruggs last year was a great center, and I think Penn State this year is missing him because even though the pass protection I think is better or the same, the interior holes in the offensive line that are opened up and the presence of a strong run game isn't the same, and I think Scruggs directly relates to that. But that's it from my perspective. And again, he is a good, great center. He wasn't Oluwatimi at Michigan. He was not Luke Whipler at Ohio State. He wasn't previous Ohio State or Michigan centers who were NFL players or high-caliber All-Big Ten selections. And that hurts Penn State because look at these statistics against Michigan and the Buckeyes. The biggest change that you notice is rushing yards allowed. On average, when the Nittany Lions face the Wolverines or the Buckeyes, they score 21 points per game. They allow about 30. 
They pass for 196, meanwhile only allowing 212. They run for only 109 per game. They allow 187. That is nearly an 80-yard difference in rushing yards. And when you run the ball, you squeeze more clock. You typically are playing more conservative. By running the football, you are being more effective at controlling the game. Allowing that many yards, just imagine how many more rushing plays that are successful, that matter, that give you more expected points added. How much that factors into Penn State's performance against U of M and Ohio State. Also, scoring, rounding here for simplicity purposes, only about two touchdowns against these two teams on average, and allowing four is pretty bad too. The only season in which Penn State, on a just purely touchdown basis for points, outscored Michigan and Ohio State combined in their matchups was again 2017. That was the one year, the one, every single season besides that. Since 2014, Michigan and Ohio State collectively have outscored the Penn State Nittany Lions. And game management from Franklin is bonkers, to say the least. Constantly running on third down. Trying to, what are you doing? Trying to burn their timeouts when Ohio State has some of the fastest players to walk this planet under Urban Meyer, or some of the best route runners and best quarterbacks under Ryan Day. Or for Michigan, what are you trying to bleed the clock? Michigan can bleed the clock and control the game better. Hold my beer. Michigan did what Penn State wanted to do in their own home and beat them at their own game. Michigan had the better quarterback. They had the better receivers. They had the better secondary. And Michigan didn't bother to touch the passing game. Not because J.J. McCarthy couldn't pass, but because they were that confident that Penn State couldn't do a single thing. And they were right. Looking at this matchup on a year-by-year basis, in 2014, these are combined rushing yard totals from Michigan and Ohio State's performances against Penn State. Rushing yards in 2014 that Penn State allowed to both the Buckeyes and the Wolverines. 283 yards in 2014. 402 combined yards in 2015. 494 combined yards in 2016. 304 combined rushing yards in 2017. 378 allowed combined in 2018. 370 in 19. 382 in 2020. 305 in 2021. 516 in 2022. 306 in 2023. Penn State held. This is how good this Manny Diaz defense is, as much as I criticize Manny Diaz. They limited Ohio State and Michigan on the ground. Michigan made up for well over a th- two-thirds of those rushing yards, but still Penn State was able to get some third-down stops when Michigan ran the football because of Michigan's game plan, and also because this Penn State defense is one of the best defenses I've seen under Franklin. Also, tied with 2014, Penn State this season held Michigan and Ohio State to the least amount of combined touchdowns under James Franklin. And Franklin went still a glorious 
0-2 against Michigan and Ohio State when you held both of them to less than four touchdowns. When you were within striking distance for multiple quarters against these teams. When you have a five-star quarterback, you have Nicholas Singleton, you have Catron Allen, who was your best running back for the whole season, and it's blatantly obvious. Awesome. We're going to run him at the end of the game when we have to score quickly and we're down by 15 points with only two timeouts because we can't manage the game properly. What are you doing? Penn State is 1-13 against Michigan and Ohio State. Against teams that finished inside the top 10 that were named Michigan and Ohio State. The Wolverines and the Buckeyes are more physical than the Nittany Lions. Every single season. And OSU and U of M are comfortable in their identity. And Jim Harbaugh delegates responsibility. He lets Sharon Moore do his thing. He lets Jesse Minter do his thing. Ryan Day, he's, from what I understand, largely taken over play-calling duties this season, despite the fact that he was collaborating with Brian Hartline. Well, Ryan Day has been play-caller for Ohio State since he was OC and since he took over as head coach. James Franklin has managed games but not called plays in quite a while. And he's been through multiple offensive coordinators, whether it's John Donovan whether it's Joe Moorhead, whether it's Ricky Ronnie, whether it's you know, Tyler Bowen, and he passed him up for Kirk Sharaka, then fired Sharaka, and Bowen might be Penn State's offensive coordinator next season. I think that would be a good hire. And then now it's Mike Yersich being once again another sacrificial lamb for Franklin's inability to beat the Buckeyes and the Wolverines. And I made this video because I have some associates that I talk to who think that Franklin is a wonderful, wonderful head coach. And I don't want to hear it. If you want to argue with me down in the comment section below, or at least we can have a discussion, don't necessarily like to call it an argument, we can. This is not elite. This is pre-2021 Jim Harbaugh stuff. That's what James Franklin is. James Franklin is Jim Harbaugh without the 2021 earthquake moment, Kairos moment, whatever you whatever you want to call it. Without the reckoning after what was a disaster of a 2020 season for both teams. When you lose to Scott Frost, you think that there would be major changes made everywhere. Everywhere. And same thing for when you as Michigan lose to the 0-5 Penn State team that lost to Indiana, that lost to Scott Frost, that let Spencer Petrus blow them out. And Michigan made changes. And Penn State just made one minor adjustment after 2020. They hired Mike Yersich and kicked out Kirk Sharaka. That's the, that's the lone change that they made. Michigan scorched earth. We're going to shake up the whole staff. We're going to change how we recruit. We're going to get J.J. McCarthy in here, who now looks like one of the better quarterbacks in the nation. Drew Aller is closer to Spencer Petras, 2021 and 2022, than he is to J.J. McCarthy this season. That is awful. Awful. That is 
gross. And I know that he doesn't have the greatest supporting cast, but he has a good offensive line. He has a great stable of running backs. He has a great stable of tight ends. And Keandre Lambert-Smith is talented. Same with Dante Cephas. So we have to look at coaching because Penn State has the players that Michigan does in terms of, according to 24-7 Sports and Rivals.com and ESPN Recruiting Services. They have similar players. And yet Michigan's turned a corner. Ohio State has turned this corner for decades now. And despite the fact that Penn State is gaining ground on them in the recruiting world, Ohio State only seems to be pulling further and further away. Because Day is 5-0. and He's undefeated against Franklin. He coaches circles around Fl- Franklin. He does. He absolutely does. Every single season. And he has five stars and four stars that can explode like JT Tuimolau and make instant impact plays in big games. What's a big game outside of the Rose Bowl against Utah where Nicholas Singleton made an impact? Crickets, crickets, crickets. That's what I thought. What about Danny Dennis Sutton? Crickets. What about Drew Aller? Oh, he just helped you lose to Ohio State and lose to Michigan. Kalen King and Katron Allen and other players for Penn State who haven't been these self, not self-proclaimed, don't want to pin it on them, but proclaimed by these recruiting services as generational prospects, those have been your best players. That's exactly like 2021 or pre-2021 Michigan, where they were three-star and low four-star U. And Michigan still is, but they have Will Johnson. They have J.J. McCarthy, who last year against Ohio State was a big part of the reason why Ohio State didn't start blowing out Michigan in the first half, and they were able to hang around and then control the game. And Michigan, they have Donovan Edwards, five-star. Again, whether it's the Fiesta Bowl against TCU, where he was able to keep the run game somewhat stable, or against Purdue in the Big Ten Championship game, Penn State last year, or Ohio State last season, when Ohio State, when they had gap integrity, was able to hold up against that Michigan O-line. But when he broke through, he was gone. Penn State needs to do a better job of developing the minor amount of of highly touted blue-chip prospects they have. They need to develop those players because they have the highest ceilings. They need to do a better job of supporting them, of developing them. They need to have better game management. Again, fourth and five halfback draw in 2018. And you're disrespecting Chase Young by doing that, acting as if he can't see that coming and as if he can't tackle Miles Sanders in the backfield. Penn State doesn't have a Mike Yersich problem. They don't have a... We're just not recruiting the right players problem. They have a James Franklin problem. Josh Pate picked James Franklin to beat Michigan. Mike Valeni picked Penn State or was very tempted to pick Penn State to at least cover and play Michigan more competitively than they did. Many Penn State fans and even Ohio State fans that are in my comments section picked Penn State. Now, the majority of people picked Michigan, but there's still a sizable group of people that picked Penn State. 
And it's typically not a good sign when you're on the road facing a top 10 team with a legitimate defense to have the world supporting you. And that's what Michigan had. Typically, heavy favorites on the road in top 10 matchups have only about a 30 to 40 win percentage in the past like decade or so. Got that statistic from Mike Valeni as well. Amazing broadcaster. And yet Michigan won anyway. Michigan wasn't an underdog. They were a road favorite. They hadn't been tested before. Meanwhile, Penn State, this was a talking point that even I bought into, was more battle-tested. Who looked like the more battle-tested team on Saturday? Michigan. Michigan had to face a quarter of adversity, and they flipped on the light switch and just ran the ball for over 200 yards. It was a mini-addition, like Zachary Priest said was possible, on my show before the game on Thursday night, he said this game could be a miniature version of last year's game, and it was, where J.J. McCarthy passed for about half the yards he did in 2022 against Penn State, and Michigan ran for about half the yards they did against Penn State in 2022. And instead of winning by 24, Michigan won by 9. So closer to about the third of the points that they won by in 2022. It was like a mini edition of that game on the road, against a much better Penn State defense, and Michigan was without their head coach, so they had to improvise and win the way that they did. So what can be done about this? We've established that Franklin, he's not a good game manager. He's handicapping this offense. We've established that in looking at the fact that Penn State and Michigan, or Ohio State and Michigan, rather, my apologies, Combined for yearly 400 or close to 400 yards per game combined. So individually, they have close to 200 yards per game when they face off against Penn State. They control the time of possession against Penn State. They outgain them in yards, most notably on the ground. They have about equal passing yards. So we've established that Michigan and Ohio State are more physical than Penn State. They have better players at D-tackle, center, Guard, offensive tackle. Right now, they also both have the better quarterback room. Michigan and Ohio State, I would say right now, have the better. They've surpassed Penn State in perimeter play. They both have better tight ends and better receivers. And I think Henderson is better than either Catron Allen or Nicholas Singleton. And I think on a good day, Donovan Edwards is about the same as both of them. Blake Corum overall is better than both of them. So right now, the advantages that Penn State used to have, whether it was just over Michigan or even over Ohio State from 2021 to last year when they had a defensive advantage, those advantages are gone. Now, Penn State, talent-wise, is slightly ahead of Michigan, and we've seen that Michigan, with lesser talent, can beat Ohio State, can match up with them well. And I think that Penn State is more built to beat Ohio State than they are to beat Michigan, and I think we saw that. Penn State overall played a closer, more competitive, more equal in game management mistakes with Ohio State than they did Michigan. Michigan, it was fairly obvious in hindsight in the second quarter when they went up 14-3 to that they were the better team. Between Michigan and Ohio State, or... Ohio State and Penn State, I'm thinking ahead to the game. That was at the case during the half. 
and then Michigan being the more physical team on the ground, having to do all of this on the road and winning by the same amount, basically. I'm not going to say that Michigan won by more when the difference is by a point that could have been made up if James Franklin didn't call two two two-point conversions, which were just ill-advised. Take the points. Don't overthink yourself because you don't believe that your team can beat Michigan. That's exactly what those play calls suggested. Just take the points. There's a lot wrong with Penn State, but they're not far behind. This all relates back to James Franklin, and these are decisions and things that he can change. He can manage games better. He can choose to focus more on defensive tackle and more on trench play. And he can make a Grand Slam offensive coordinator hire. That's what needs to happen. Manny Diaz needs a big raise after this season because you're not going to get a defense like this every year. And Manny Diaz has proven me wrong in a certain way in which he's definitely a top 10 defensive coordinator. And I really questioned his abilities as a defensive coordinator. In fact, joking that, you know, he's kind of a younger version of Don Brown. And to a certain degree, that's true. But his defense this year has improved compared to last year. And every year that Don Brown was at Michigan, his defense got worse. So I think Penn State needs to pay Manny Diaz. This defense has carried this team, same with the special teams unit. And while Aller and Pribula have eligibility, James Franklin needs to make a bomb hire. Shouldn't say H-O-R-E. Don't know why. It's like horror. (laughs) An offensive coordinator. Silly mistake. And Franklin needs to be less controlling of the offense and hand off more responsibility to his assistants because he's had his hand in the offense. You don't think that the third and five or third and six run calls were from Franklin? You don't think that? That's that's exactly what was going on there. You don't think the decision to go for it on fourth down deep in your own territory against Ohio State and Michigan was from Franklin? Oh, really? You, you think that Mike Yersich came up with that decision himself and Franklin just let that happen? No, of course not. And even if that's the case, everything that Yersich is calling would go through Franklin's headset, like any CEO. And Franklin approved of it. So either Franklin is tacitly approving of this asinine game management by most coordinators that he's hired and fired, or he's the centerpiece of the problem, neither of which are good. So that's what can be done. Thank you all very much for watching this video And thank you to my patrons for sponsoring this channel and supporting it. I really appreciate you. Um, Thanks to Crash2488, Anthony McDowell, and Justin Rogg for sponsoring this video as Heisman patrons. Thanks to Spencer Bringhurst, Noah DDLC, SFS Inverted for being all American patrons. And thanks to Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Chris Lane, Austin Christmas, and Zubin Zah for being all conference patrons. There will be a video detailing who I think would best fit at offensive coordinator for Penn State and the multiple candidates who I would suggest Penn State to go after here in the following week. Thank you all so much for watching. Again, please like this video, subscribe to the channel, and click the notification bell. Have a wonderful night. Bye-bye.